for coaches, by coaches, this is Soccer Chat with Nick Rizzo and Sean Sauterly, brought to you by social media for high school athletes. What's up, everybody? This is Soccer Chat, your weekly soccer coaching podcast, brought to you by a lot of your good friends that you've heard every single week, like our good friends over at Dutick Brand. Check them out, dutickbrand.com, for all your coaching accessory needs, whether it's training session cards, notebooks, hats, beanies, pins. The pins are great, uh, and so much more. Go check it out, dutickbrand.com. Use the promo code SOCCERCHAT because of our friend Nick Rizzo. You can get yourself a sweet discount by using the promo code soccer chat at checkout on dutigbrand.com. Shout out to our friends over at Torx, T-O-R-R-X.com for the world's greatest ball pump. Uh, I had training this evening and I got there. My boys were all like, hey, um, you got your ball pump because our balls are flat. And I was like, yes, I do. And it was so awesome that the players wanted to pump the balls up because before they would never want to you'd had to do it on your own and now they want to all because of torx check them out on twitter at torx soccer uh such an amazing product shout out to dan and aaron redwine uh, you know if you haven't seen the torx you need to go check it out right now i've been getting a lot of local uh school coaches into it telling some ad's about it as well saying hey you need to get one of these get yourself a torx if you got one Make sure to go on Amazon and leave them a nice rating and review on there as well. This is a listener-supported podcast supported by people just like you who are listening to this right now. And the best way you can help us out is share the links out every single week when we put these shows out for you on Thursdays, bringing it to you for free every single week. Share those links out. Let us know what you like about the show. Maybe your favorite quote from the episode. Uh, let people know that you're listening and, and invite somebody to listen with you. You can also join the conversation every single Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Twitter. Just follow the hashtag Soccer Chat. He is Nick Rizzo, famous Midwest Conference coach, and I am Sean. I'm just a guy, and uh, this is Soccer Chat. Nick, I, I know you are upset, and I'm not. We're not going to get out the the psychiatrist couch uh, for you to lay on and vent unless you need that. But I want you to know that no matter how bad or what your thoughts are on the game that you just had. I want you to know that tomorrow, tomorrow, my friend, is a brand new day. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no. And and again, I think if you would have told me at this point in our season we would be nine, three, and one and two and two in conference, like I would have been a little disappointed in the two and two in conference, but I mean, we we're we're having a good year and it's something that I constantly have to remind myself on. I mean, we we lost against the team that has one conference the last three years today, one nothing, and in good parts of the game, definitely had the better play. Had a still a goal called offsides that probably isn't offsides, but it, it it's one of those things where we battled and we did a good job, and we definitely made it more difficult on them than we probably had in years past, but just couldn't find the the one to put it in. And so that's as a coach, it's just kind of tough sometimes because soccer sucks you know it, it's not it's not the <laughs> there's your new t-shirt if you get the most chances and you you have the ball in their half for the better part of the game that you always win the game and so for us it was a little bit of that today and so it was, it was just tough we like we did i think we did a good job and unfortunately we just didn't put the ball in the net it, and they did they they had a, one good chance in the second half and they buried it and 
we we didn't take our chances as well as they did. Can the back of your uh, new shirt that says just here for all of Sean's ideas, um, can the back just say sometimes soccer sucks? Sometimes soccer sucks. I mean, you'd be more disappointed because we had 12 corner kicks today and didn't score any of them. Well, it's because you don't practice your corners. We did this year, but like it's still not working. You doing it for one practice does not count as we did it, it for year. more than one practice. Gee, many Christmas. Do you like? Did you use any of the the plays that I gave you? I don't remember the plays that you gave me. So oh no. God. Nick, you would have won that game if you if you had my plays. I mean, we should have. We had twelve corner kicks and a bunch of shots. Just we didn't put any of them in. It happens sometimes. I you know I was uh, at at work today and I was talking to. Um, We've got the state tournament is going on for high school here. Uh, and I was talking to um, our girls coaches and uh, they were talking about how they had kind of had a uh, scoring slump in their season this year, even though they were a team that could score a lot of goals. They just weren't doing it this year. And um, in their first round of the state tournament, they scored eight goals. And I was like, hey, you know, good stuff. But like, you gotta save those goals, spread those things out because you might need a couple of those um you know in the next game and uh they said yeah you know the players kind of said well maybe this maybe we 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 figure out how to score again and we were kind of talking about how um i had mentioned them about some unopposed uh drills shooting drills that i do uh and they had mentioned about how they had you know some of those that they were doing they really liked it and they noticed a difference in the players um when they started doing that so um just kind of cool to to uh you know, n- not really being in the high school game, but kind of hearing like how they're doing things and, and, and seeing teams um, like my club boys are constantly letting me know like how things are going with them. And I, a lot of them are are getting ready to play uh, in the semifinals and finals here in the next couple of days and uh, seeing how coaches kind of like taking back and, and stepping back, just being like, All right, like I'm going to watch and I'm going to like, listen and, and, you know, I'm not going to impose my own. Uh, thoughts and views uh, just kind of like chill and, and see what's going on. And it's been kind of cool. And like, I, cause I normally, I'm such like a hands-on person. Like I want to help everyone and like, Oh, like, Hey, like, what are you guys struggling with? I can help you out with that. Um, that uh, I, this year I told myself like, I'm just going to like sit back, chill and listen to other coaches talk. And it's been super like rewarding, I think for, on, on my end. Oh, for sure. And the, yeah, I think that it's, it that's always my favorite experience when I talk to other coaches is just to see what they're going through at the time that they're going through. Because again, I, I think we all get caught in this where we think about everything that we're going through and we assume it's the, we're the only person that's going through it. Like right now, right. We have a ton of injuries and it's like, I, like I, my, my mom was even telling me about this the other day where she's like, you realize that, 50% of coaches in the country are going through the exact same thing that you are right now. And you get so caught in this just idea that you're the only one that's suffering through this right now. It's like, no, no, like everyone else is going through something very, very similar, yeah. possibly even worse. And it's, you know, like you, you just got to fight through it. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, super awesome interview this week. We've kind of, uh, we, Nick and I have kind of went back and forth uh, for a while, like of, of trying to get this person on and, and uh, you know, the timing just happened to be right to, to get them on now. And, and you guys actually just played against each other. Uh, and I am definitely going to save it, um, you know, for, for next year where we're going to get this one uh, before you guys play. But, uh, you know, kind of getting into next week's show, I'm really excited because on the 20th, 
you are playing our good friend, uh, our English good brother, Joe Sagar in, uh, in Lawrence University. And finally, for the first time in the many years that we've been doing Soccer Chat, I'm getting my wish of we're going to interview a coach before you play them. And I am excited about, I think Joe's going to try to get in your mind a little bit. <laughs> Good luck. I don't even know what's in my mind right now. <laughs> I love where you're at right now mentally. <laughs> After these games you've had, I, this is be the best show ever because of that. Uh, so next week we've got Joe coming on. Uh, it's going to be awesome. If if you remember, Joe was a, was a guest host with us once uh, while Nick was out of the country. And then Joe's been on the show uh, as a guest before, uh, right actually when he took the job that he's at now. Uh, so it'd be good to to get with Joe and, and hear about how that team's doing. Uh, hopefully he gives Nick uh, a bunch of advice of what their team's going to do and Nick can plan for it, knowing that they're going to actually do that rather than uh, as you will hear later, Nick planning for something and our guest completely flipped the script on him. <laughs> and you know what? That was bad of him to do. But hey, it's coaching. That's what we do. Awesome interview. It's coming up right after this. Registration is now open for the 2020 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Baltimore. Make your plans to join us January 15th through the 19th for five days of coaching education, networking, meal and social functions, award presentations, and more. Register before December 11th to secure the best rate. Visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org to learn more. The United Soccer Coaches Convention, your event for all things coaching. a lot of friends on the show and a lot of our friends I've actually met through Nick because Nick has such a massive network uh, of coaches and the bright young man that we have with us uh, this week uh, I was introduced to by Nick uh, primarily on the fact that uh, we met uh, we met up at a camp in the summertime and I was asked you know uh, if you root for my team against Monmouth um I would really, really appreciate that. And I felt the need. You know what? Like I, I told Nick, like I want you to win all the soccer games. But you know what? I think there's one. I think we got to relax on. Um, but we have with a, a have with us a massive joker. I love this guy. Uh, so fun to be around. We have with us from Beloit. It is Connor McKee. Connor, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? 
We are fantastic. I'm not going to say the same for Nick. He's he's down, <laughs> but we're going to get him picked up. This interview is going to really uh, get him going. And now he's smiling again. So see, we're, it's already it starting. Is. The you hashtag have, have the Connor effect. effect. <laughs> <laughs> the hashtag true. the Connor effect. We'll take it. I'm, I'm going to run with that. There you go. Uh, so you are the head women's coach over at uh, Beloit. And before we get into that and, and, you know, the whole thing about, you know, tell us where you were, uh, you know, how you got to where you're at. Um, might I say that when someone uh, is looking you up that um, the old school mugshot of you from NIU, oh, Mr. Boy. Dashing, no facial oh, hair. Oh, boy. Yeah. Got the clean those cut the, going on. Those are the days when I looked 14 years old and was coaching college soccer. That was great. Wait, I thought you were 16. Yeah, that's what I always got. There's a reason this guy's <laughs> wearing a beard now. It's, it's, it's very baby-faced without the beard. <laughs> well, you know, the baby-faced assassin, uh, you know, to get to and that, I think that may be your new uh, nickname within the conference. Nick, I think you can help me make that happen. Uh, we can work on it for sure. <laughs> we're getting hashtags all over the place here. Yes, we, we're already beating uh, Katie and um, uh, Jess's record already. So, um, you know, the thing with Soccer Chat is, you know, to understand where you're at now, you know, as the head women's coach at Beloit, we kind of got to know how you got to this point. Uh, so for everybody, just kind of give us a cool background of, of how you got to where you are now. Yeah. Um, well, grew up in South Dakota of all places. Um, Yo, that's, was, that's like two weeks in a row or – Two, uh, two in the last three weeks, we've had South Dakota boys. There we go. That's all two of us from the state. I was going to so. say, I think we've hit everybody <laughs> from South Dakota who's soccer related. That's, that's it. Um, but yeah, I grew up in South Dakota. Um, my parents, we, we were in a small town, and my parents kind of helped start some of the leagues and, and ODP in the state. So I've always been around coaching. Um, got my first coaching license when I was 10 because it was just easier to bring me along than, than to leave me at home. Um, so I've always kind of known I'd, I'd do coaching. Um, from there, went to Elmhurst College in the in the suburbs of Chicago, a Division three school there. Um, played there for two years and transferred back closer to home to the University of Sioux Falls, um, which is an NAIA slash Division two uh, school. Finished up there and the whole time through it, uh, all summers, I'd been coaching in my local club over the summers and and got a lot of great experience there, but uh, got offered a position to turn around and coach the guys that I'd been playing with um, right out of college. So as a as a GA and a goalkeeper coach, so took that um, coached at USF for that first season, and then kind of got a call out of the blue um, to see if I wanted to go to Northern Illinois University, um, and thought it was a really cool opportunity. My wife's from Michigan, so it's kind of a halfway point. It's not not directly, but but uh, kind of a halfway point between where I grew up and, and where she grew up. So made a lot of sense location-wise and, and cool opportunity to go to go coach Division One. So went over to the women's side there, uh, was there for five years and, and really enjoyed it. And we, we raised that program up and then just kind of knew it was time for the next next gig um, and, and kind of wanted that, that gig where you can take over and, and really make it into something special. And, and that was Beloit for me. So here there's, I am. There's something about, uh, you know, and, and me not being like super knowledgeable of your guys' conference other than I think um, at one point, like every coach of every school was like a friend of Nick's uh, who then became a friend <laughs> of the show. And I was just like, wow, like what a horrible conference. Like there's not a drive to like want to beat anybody because you're all friends. Um, but, you know, what is it about? 
It, and this is purely from an outsider's perspective, and Nick, you can answer this as well, but what is it about you coaches in the Midwest Conference? It just seems like you guys, like, you don't really hear of a lot of conferences, coaches getting, not so much like not getting along, but like, it seems like you all are like working together. Like, yes, you're trying to win every game. You're trying to beat each other, but at the same time, like you're trying to do the best for your conference. Yeah. I mean, I think I like, and I don't want to speak for anyone else, but it's, I mean, it's a conference that probably traditionally hasn't gotten a ton of respect from like conferences around the, around the area. And so I think for us, it's one of those things where we just want to root for each other and, and and make it one of those things where we can make it a very competitive conference, not only internally, but to where when we go play the ARC or we play the SLEAC or we play the NAC or we play the WEAC where it, they're, they're actually like really like it's, it's not games that they just assume they're going to win and that they're, we're going to be able to go and compete and win a lot of those games. And so I think for us, it's, and, and again, I, I think, having that camaraderie within a conference where you trust people. And when you go to play someone, you know, at least in your conference, because we deal with this out of conference all the time, that it's not going to be a dirty game. It's not going to be a game where you have to worry about your players coming out with any crazy injuries. It's just going to be a good competitive, hard soccer game. And, and, and that's what, what we're all hoping for. Yeah, totally agree. I, I, I think on top of that, you know, kind of the, the guy that's been around forever is T.R. Bell at Lake Forest. And I think we all kind of follow suit of what he's like. And I think, Nick, you probably first day of the job had a call from him. I did. I know when I got in my office, there was a voicemail waiting for me um, and immediately just welcoming me into the conference. And, um, you know, I think we all say anything I can do to help, let me know. And, and I think he genuinely means that and has really kind of put more of a stamp on the conference than we probably realize until we start looking at it. Um, same thing happened when I was looking at the job. Nick was super helpful and told me about the about Beloit and Division Three and, and that transition. Um, but yeah, I just think that from top to bottom, when you've got your your most successful coach in the conference all the way to the newest coaches all working together, it, it makes it a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, so, Connor, so you guys knew each other before he went to Beloit. Yeah, Connor was nice enough to let me come work his camps at NIU. <laughs> Sorry, that's Cash. He's really a little no, I, I'm dog sitting right now, and my, my dog's a little flustered about something. I have no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> not a problem. Not a problem. One second. Cash. Here, one second. Cash. What's up, dude? That's great. I, We're I, getting getting a view into how he parents here. This is yeah, that's what I was getting saying. Insider this, baseball here. If this if Nick had children, this is exactly what it would be like. Nick being like, go outside right now. <laughs> go outside for 40 minutes. Daddy's got to talk. Uh, this um, is awesome. <laughs> you you seem to, you know, you you hit on about, you know, we hear as coaches all the time, somebody always says, you know, whenever however I can help, let me know. And it seems to me like you guys in your conference, uh, you know, there's there there's actual meaning behind that. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, even when we're recruiting the same players, with Nick and I have had a few players that we've both recruited. Um, one of them's at playing farm right now, and both of us heard from her. Yeah, Coach Rizzo says great things about you, and Coach McKee says great things about you. Um, just had a recruit tonight that's that look is looking at Lawrence and, and Marion. And I told them I like Joe there. Um, and it's, you don't have I to, think just a, you like Joe in public. Yeah, I like Joe. He's <laughs> all right. He's all right. 
We're we're playing him this Saturday. We'll see how I feel about him after Saturday. But oh, uh, you talk talk all the trash you want to about him right now. <laughs> I can't. I think he, I think he'd get me on that one. He's probably a better trash talker, and I wouldn't know what the heck he was saying anyway. So just remember, he like might randomly and show up at a Denny's in Kansas. <laughs> Very randomly. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think they're everybody's there. We want the conference. We want more respect. I think all of us do, but we also see the results year in and year out that, that we're competing with some of these, these groups. And I think you, you can't just have scorched earth when you're trying to raise the level of a conference. It's everybody's got to be working in the same direction and, and have the same outlook to really raise the level across the board. What's been, you know, and you mentioned about, uh, we've had some people who have done the same thing of transitioning from men's side to the women's side or women's side to the men's side in you, how was that transition and what was kind of the motivation behind that transition? So I had, it, it wasn't a huge transition for me. So my, my club that I grew up in was a small club in South Dakota. Um, and every year they actually did a, almost a, a director of coaching and training set up. So we would go in and for four days a week. So Monday through Thursday, um, on Mondays from six in the morning till four in the afternoon, we'd coach U19 boys all the way down to U8 boys. And then Tuesdays, it was the women's side. And then Wednesdays, the guys and Thursdays, the women's side. So it wasn't ever really a, a big change for me because I had coached on both sides pretty much my entire coaching career. Um, as far as just what made me do it, I I think division one, I really wanted to try that out and see, I think every coach when they're looking at it wants to, to check that out and see what it's all about. Um, but I also always enjoyed, I think on the women's side, they really genuinely care about what you're saying as a coach. And I remember as a, as a guy, I don't always remember my teammates having that same, same, uh, feeling towards coaches. So I just really enjoy that. I think my coaching style very much matches up with that. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's what pulled me, but I, I don't think it's been a major change for me in terms of getting used to that or anything like that. With coaching at an early age. And I know like this, is something we, we've kind of been like our theme for this season so far about like knowing, having that moment of when, you know, like, this is what I want to do. So I, I can envision, you know, you coaching at an early age, like you knowing pretty early on, like, this is what I want to do. Yeah, I actually, so I still didn't know that that was what I was going to be doing. I thought I was going to be a wall street guy. Um, Ooh, okay. And, and here, here I am. Um, but yeah, when I was looking at colleges as a player, I was looking at like Ivy league schools out East. I wanted to be close out there and, and be part of that. And then, um, Elmhurst just seemed like a good fit for me. I wanted to be by a bigger city, but not in a big city. Um, went there, still didn't know I was coaching. I knew at some point in time I'd coach, but I always thought it was, you know what, when you're retired or when you made billions of dollars or whatever, you can just go and, and coach and, and do what you love to do. Uh, but you got to make some money first. Um, and it wasn't until honestly, I was graduating and getting ready to apply for jobs. And, and my coach had said, Hey, do you want to make a career out of this? Um, that I really, really thought about it. So it wasn't, something that I thought I would do as a profession um, because growing up in South Dakota, there weren't that many professional coaches. There were, you know, we had one in our club that was full time and that was, that was it. Um, so I didn't always know I was going to do it. I just, as a profession, I just knew that I wanted to be involved in the game for the rest of my life. 
when was uh, kind of that, that, you know, stepping in from the, the associate head coach, assistant coach thing into then getting that first uh, head coaching job, that first week for you had to have been insane. Oh, it was crazy. Nick knows this. I got in a week before season started. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I had uh, started preseason at NIU, and we were a week into preseason before I started my job at, at Beloit. Um, wow. So that was that was a little bit crazy for sure, because you've got a week to prepare and get used to the everything they're doing there, a new system. Uh, I was on on Skype with all my players for most of that time, just getting to know them um, and and getting them on board uh, with everything from fitness testing to, you know, they had questions as, as new players coming in would have, and I had no idea even where buildings were yet or even how to log into my computer yet. So uh, that first week was was a little bit crazy and just the whole first season. But the reality is, I think, as a if you're a college coach, you know that there's no such thing as normal in season. Um, so it was just a different kind of abnormal for me. What's been your some of like your favorite moments like since you've been at Beloit? Beating Man. Monmouth to nothing at Monmouth. <laughs> that that certainly would be up there. Uh, certainly would be up there. Okay, so can, uh, so can I can I open up the I, the, the the dialogue on this game and this will be like thirty seconds. So. You know, whenever you and I had met in the summer and you said, you know, hey, like, you really got to give Rizzo crap. Like you're going to root for Beloit this season against Monmouth. <laughs> and, you know, I was and, you know, you were kind of joking about it and laughing. I was like, all right, like I can get on this joke. And I remember like, you know, we had a couple weeks where I was like, OK, like Nick, I do want you to win all the games except for the Beloit one. And he'd always kind of like laugh it off and be like, yeah, yeah. And then like there was one week where I was like, you know what? I believe this. Like I really think this is the <laughs> game that you're going to lose. And I think I had seen you, I think I'd saw you again or something in the summer and, uh, kind of said it again. And I just kept going on like, oh uh, yeah. Cause it was, it was before the season started. So then, uh, you know, I'm going on, going on and I didn't get to keep track of the game. Cause I, I, I remember the date that you guys played. And then, uh, I think we recorded it that night. I was like, Nick, I got the game going. He was like, I'm not talking about not it. I was like, really? And he was like, yeah. I was like, wait, like Beloit won? And he was like, yeah. I was like, what? I was happy yeah. for you for like five I appreciate that. I we, that. We needed all the good good juju we could get for that one. <laughs> we we missed two PKs that game too. Yikes. It was, a, it was like, it was, I mean, they scored two good goals early and we, like they, I mean, honestly, like they deserved to win. Like we didn't do anything that, got us got gave us a chance to win that game so no they absolutely deserved to win that game as long as you don't go back tonight nick and like watch that highlight video (laughs) if you don't think i've watched that game more than once then you're uh uh you know and i'll send this to nick like nick all these people in these in this conference are friends of yours as you're friends with literally everybody (laughs) and and i just like Knowing like how like nice of a guy you are, uh, granted, you know, as upset as you are this evening, but like, I just, I can't envision you like sitting here watching film of another team, breaking it down and be like, yeah, I know what Connor's going to do. He's going to put this girl here, this girl here. They're going to try to do this. They're going to go ahead and we're going to combat it by making sure this girl does this, this girl does that. And we're going to make sure, you know, going on and on. Like, I just don't see you as that, like, oh, like we're going to get him. Like, even if it's for like 48 hours before the game. Well, I mean, the funny thing, we actually, me and Connor talked about this uh, a few days ago. Uh, like, I was, I, I watch everyone way too much. I definitely overanalyze film. And so, 
I had prepared for the, he had his center mid uh, sophomore really good player for him that scored a great goal on us last year. And she's been playing center mid for him for a good percentage of this year. And so I had one of my center mids, probably my best, my best defensive player in the middle be like, Hey, this, this player on your team on, on Beloit, you need to watch out for the, this game, make sure you're tracking her, make sure she's not getting any good opportunities. We played Connor two weekends ago and she was playing left back. And so my center mid for the first, like seven minutes of the game was tracking their left back. <laughs> and, and I'm like, and I'm like, she turns to me and she's like, coach, she's playing left back. I go, stop tracking her. And she's like, okay. <laughs> like literally like Connor, well, you told I, me Connor, Connor was joking because he's just like, yeah, I had no idea what system you're running. It's like, it's okay. Neither did I at that point. I thought they were running four, four. I was writing down notes and had no idea what was going on. I thought he had come up with a whole new system. Rizzo has created a new soccer formation. Yep. Chaos. Just chaos. <laughs> so, you know, like Nick, like how do you give us the, the background of like, you know, you're getting ready to play Beloit. Like what is your like 48 hour before the game like? Uh, I s- try to stop watching film 24 hours before the game. Because at that point, I I just get to the point where I'm overanalyzing everything that they're trying to possibly do. And to be honest, this year, we every team we play changes something. Um, like even Knox today, we played them today, and they they played two completely different center backs, and they played the entire last five games that they played. And so, I mean, again, it, to, to, their cre- to everyone's credit, they're doing a good job because we have two pretty quick forwards and – and a few other players that can do things. And so they're making adjustments to, to, to prepare for that. And so it's honestly, I think I need to honestly stop watching film and just <laughs> prepare us for Cause no, there is not the last three teams we played have not played the same lineup that they played like the three games prior to playing us. So what if everybody not, knows that's your thing? What? What if everybody knows like that's your thing? So they're like, okay, Who's somebody he might single out? We're going to put them at a completely random position when we play them. I'm just going to – I'm going to change our positions. We're just going to screw with everyone <laughs> for the next five games. Because um, I'm, I'm now making note, if I ever become a coach in the Midwest Conference, I just know for a fact like I'm going to put everybody at one position, and then when we play Monmouth, I'm going to completely just make it random. Dude, you would be the exact same as every team we've played the last two. <laughs> <laughs> it's driving me insane right now. Exactly. The problem is like – and you, Connor and Sean, you know this too – Like. When you give your players a game plan and they're like, all right, these people are going to be in this spot. These are things we can exploit. And then they get to the game and it's completely different. You're like, they're all staring at you like, what did you prepare us yeah. for? And it's like, that's a good question. Just throw that out and we'll try, try to figure it out in the middle of the game. They start questioning like, what is this guy watching so yeah. much? Yeah, no, for sure. But no, I see kind of to rewind a little bit. One of the things I'm curious about is like, when like and we I know this, but I think it's a good story to tell. Like when you were making that transition to being a player to becoming a coach, what were those first few seasons like at NIU? Um, they were they were fun but tough. It was we had a lot of work to do there and, and we had gotten in in March. Our whole staff was in, in, in March, which is you know, division one, you're you're recruiting way out in advance, like sophomores. And I think it's getting a little bit later now, but still, still pretty early. Um, and yeah, that, that first, I, I'll, I'll be very honest. And I think any young coach going in should know this. My first week I was like, am I good enough for this? I have no idea <laughs> if I'm ready for this. 
Uh, and within a week, it was, oh, yeah, we're, we're good. We've got this. Um, but it, there was definitely a time period where I, I just felt like I needed to get, get caught up. And also, uh, great story with, with my first week, I had mono going in. So my first oh, no. week, my first month, I'm, I'm showing up and like going home for lunch and napping and just sweating all over the place and trying to not, not look like I'm slouching off for my new boss. Uh, so just that first month was just miserable for me, but, but at the same time, a ton of fun. Um, but yeah, I was, I don't think he found that out until year four when I talked about, yeah, I, I was worried that you were going to think that I was lazy and, and all this stuff, just like players think about with us as, as coaches. Um, but yeah, that, that transition, those first two years, it was really just, it was a lot of fun getting those players to believe again. Cause I think there are some players that they had had a couple of rough years. Um, and that first year of getting them back to the conference tournament was just a ton of fun. And then the next year getting them there and, and just building year by year and seeing those, those players, like the, that first full cycle, seeing them come in three years later and get in the program was just a ton of fun. Uh, but it just takes such a long time and such a, a big lead up to get things where you want them to, and, and to finally get that in, in that last year and be, you know, two minutes from the NCAA tournament and looking back to where we started and in the first spring uh, was just, it, it's cool and it's special. And, and that's why you coach. Yeah. Well, I think you have a pretty cool journey too, because I mean, obviously you started as an assistant, but then you worked your way up to being the associate head coach under John when you were there. Like, what was that transition like through, throughout the entire process of going to being, like you said, an assistant and then kind of working your way up to that role where you are the, again, when, cause when I met you, you were the associate head coach. Yeah. Um, really it was just, it was just time. Um, and it, it wasn't that much different. John was a phenomenal boss. Uh, he, we got input on everything. And I think as a, as a head coach, that's really tough for us to, get other people involved and, and not just kind of run everything our, on our own. But John had kept us involved. So we were both Christy and I were ready for an associate head and Christy definitely deserved it. And she's, she's doing really well at Moorhead now. Um, but when they had created that position of an associate head, because when we started, there wasn't that position there. Um, but when they made it available um, from the administration, it was very clearly Christy should have it. Um, and she took it and she did a great job. And then I had to fill those shoes more on the recruiting side, which was, was a little bit new to me because my first part, my first three years there, I was more running camps and, and doing the goalkeeper training and some of the marketing and, and that kind of stuff. So taking over recruiting and, and now kind of putting my name on, on players that are coming into the program was, was uh, you know, a little scary, but also really exciting because it was you, you get to build something new. Um, but yeah, I don't think it was a big jump, honestly, just because John had done such a great job of, of cluing us in where when, when Christy moved on and, and got her head job, it was, I'd been watching what she was doing. I'd been helping out. We'd all been helping each other out. So I don't think it was a really big jump in all honesty to go from an assistant coach to an associate head. When, when you were recruiting to Northern Illinois, what were some of the things that like, you felt you had to learn through that process. Cause again, I think the biggest thing that I wouldn't know going to division one level, having played at the division three level and having coached there for a while now, what were some of the hardest transitions learning to recruit to the division one level? 
Um, I think a lot of it was, and it's different for, for us. I think what you and I, when we're out recruiting for Division Three, we're looking at what are some things that make this player special. Um, and I think at the Division One level, you're obviously looking for that, but you're also really, really critical of what they can't do. Um, and so I had to get a little bit sharper of, of figuring out what players could and couldn't do and what we could fix and what we couldn't fix. Um, so that, that was kind of the biggest jump. And John and Christy had done a really good job at NDSU. They'd gotten them to the NCAA tournament, I believe, a couple of times. So they, they had been there. So I got to sit down and just chat about players when we were out at recruiting events. And my first experience was Illinois high school games. Um, and John and I went out for a couple of weeks there and just chatting about players and and him just kind of walking through his thought process of what he liked in players and, and what he didn't. Um, and that to me was, was really helpful of not just, Hey, go find players and we'll let you know if they're good enough when they, when they come to camp, it was really seeing the whole thing and, and, and getting that time with them. For sure. And like, like with you, like, what were some of the things about Northern Illinois that you really enjoyed? Like what made it like a fun place to recruit to and work at? Um, I think our staff, it's, we were super close. We were, we spent a lot of time together as I think when you spend as much time together as a staff as we did and still want to go have a beer afterwards, I think that's a sign of a staff that's pretty close. Um, and we got to babysit John's kid. And I remember helping put John's basement together as we were renovating it, like spending time together away from soccer. Uh, was just fun. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that. It was also really fun, just a fun time to be around NIU because we had, Gone, gotten to the Orange Bowl and had a Heisman candidate in, in football there and a new indoor facility coming in and and all of this cool stuff and, and a lot of energy in the athletics department of, you know, we got to see the absolute height of athletics there. And so that was just a cool experience to, to get to be a part of all that energy. That's awesome. Like, and like for you, and again, like with your transition to Beloit, what was the thought process behind that when you were making that transition to go from being at Northern Illinois to working at Beloit? Again, not it's not a terrible distance away from where you were, but what, what was the transition like for you and what was the thought process behind that? Yeah, I, I get that question all the time, especially that not just to Beloit specifically, but to Division Three. And um, the thought process for me really was it's time to find the next gig. Um, I just knew it, it's tough to be an assistant for five years. Some people do it and they're, they're great. If I'm being honest, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm always cut out to be an assistant. I'm, I'm very much like running my own, own show. Um, and so I, I kind of was looking at why are you in coaching and why, why are you like what the next step needs to match why you're in coaching and, and got to talk to my wife and Luckily, she is a, a great sounding board and, and helps me make good decisions. Otherwise, I think they'd all be bad. Um, but she, she helped me kind of realize that I'm in coaching because I like developing people. And, and looking back, I just felt like Division Three was the best avenue for that. And that's not to knock Division One, but at the end of the day, your job at Division One is to win games. And no matter how well you develop people, you've got to win games or you don't have a job. Um, there's not really a market for coaches that lose in Division One, or really anywhere. Um, so getting getting to uh, see that and and thinking back about my Division Three days, I I wanted a Division Three school. That was really 
what was drawing me and, and Beloit opened up and I honestly, I got a notification on my phone. We had finished up uh, training for the day. I think we were on lunch and I just drove up there and called my wife and said, hey, just a heads up. I'm uh, driving to Beloit, Wisconsin right now. Uh, I'm just going to check out this campus as a job. I know about the school um, and checked it out and, and absolutely loved it. Um, the campus is awesome. The people there were super friendly. Um, and I actually had a former high school teammate of mine that went there. Um, and, and went to school, and he's probably one of the smartest people I know, so that was a pretty big uh, thumbs up for it being a good school. Um, and went through the interview process, things I really like. The athletic director there is the former men's soccer coach, which I don't think you always get. I think a lot of times, or not a lot of times, a, a fair amount of the time you're getting a lawyer as an AD. Um, again, not to knock lawyers, but they, they haven't been through what we've been through, and they don't get it. Um, in terms of recruiting and coaching and the, the balance in your life and all that stuff. Um, the second thing is we're under the student life umbrella. So everything we're doing is really the same, same goal as them, which is to develop people. And so that completely lined up with why I coach and why I want to be in it. Um, and so that was kind of a long story of how I ended up at Beloit, but I've, I've been extremely happy. Everything I thought I would find there, I've found there and, and has continued to, to be true. That's awesome. And like with, with that, like, I mean, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, but what, what was that first few weeks? Like, I mean, I know like how difficult it was for you to go from, like you literally had to go right into the season. What, yeah. what was that like the first few days? Uh, it was, uh, I got in, got my laptop, tried to figure out email. Uh, and Oh, by the way, your, your first set of games are in Portland. So you need to figure out travel and, uh, here's some papers from the previous coach. And I, I knew uh, Coach Chapman that was in before, and he left me some good notes. But it's still still kind of fun figuring things out. And literally that first practice was the first time I'd ever seen them do anything. I, I watched a little bit of film, but it's it's a different team, and you've got new freshmen, and you've graduated some players, and you have no idea uh, if the players have been getting fit over the summer because their coach isn't there, and what are they doing for fitness testing. Um, I really, really leaned on the seniors and right away established that they were going to need to do more and that they were going to, I was going to rely on them to let me know if things weren't going well, let me know if I'd forgotten things. And I, I still to this day do that because I'm, we, we've got a million things we're juggling, but just say, Hey, if I forget this, you got to tell me. And I, I tell like six of our players, Hey, remind me to do this. Remind me to do this. We've got sticky notes all over the place. Um, but, uh, that, that first Honestly, the first couple of weeks was just leaning on the seniors and developing a culture. And we put a lot of time into that. Um, you kind of have a choice, I think, when you get in of, do you jump in and just spend all of your time recruiting and look to the future? Or do you spend more time with your current kids? And my answer was the, the current players. Um, I just wanted to make sure that any player we brought in was going to come into a good culture versus hey, come to Beloit, we're starting over and, and not caring about these kids that are, that are still here. Um, so that was, that was the first three weeks was just getting that and getting an identity and, um, and just a ton of fun seeing them grow in, in the system and really kind of just having a different voice because every coach is going to do things differently. You and I do different, different things, Nick, and Sean, you and I probably coach differently. Um, so seeing them, oh, I coach different differently than everybody, than every, I'm sure, I'm sure you do. <laughs> I've seen it. It's, it's pretty special. Uh, oh, that, 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 that's very nice of you to say. 
but yeah, that, that was the first three weeks was I just wanted to put as much time into the players as possible um, and kind of lived up at Beloit basically for those, those three weeks and, and figured out everything, figured out a different, different division and figured out the teams and our players and how to even, you know, just do, do things at a new school because every process is different at every school. Uh, so it was a, a massive learning curve that, that first whole season and, and even the first year. Nick, your dog hates you. <laughs> I'm trying. Like, it's not my dog. Uh, I'm, I don't know if you guys saw on Instagram the other day. I had yes. three dogs in the house, and none of them were mine. I had, like, <laughs> my roommate's dog, my roommate's fiance's dog, and... I've the lacrosse coach's dog. I was babysitting all three of them watching soccer and they were actually super calm, which was awesome. But yeah, no, now cash is not happy. I just don't think he's happy with anything. He's been cooped up all day because we had game day and John's not here. So he just needs to get his energy out. <laughs> he's getting his energy out, giving you the business. Yeah. He's not happy. He's going to be super cuddly later though. Like in like, <laughs> Uh, as as my dog is sitting here standing up on the couch my wife passed out beside him just staring me down like who's walking me not me and not her <laughs> so uh you have to lay back down there my guy you um you both were kind of hitting uh, on about you know the especially like with connor getting into the team like early on and or you know or early on like with within the season basically you know getting in there just a, a week or so before the season started for you, Connor, you mentioned about, you know, putting that emphasis on the players who are already there. And that's so cool. You say, because I don't think a lot of coaches would say the same thing because it's all about getting your own players in there. So what was it for you, you know, to have to build that relationship with these players who had already had years or months of relationship with the previous staff? And now you're you've got to come in and, and get on their not so much get on their side. But like you said, you're wanting to put the focus on the ones that were already there. How did you how did you do that? Um, a lot of, a lot of individual meetings. Um, I think every time I put more time into our players in individual meetings, I feel better as a coach. Um, we're doing them again this week. I just feel like you can never spend too much time on them just sitting down and checking on life. Mm. Um, so that, that was the biggest thing is getting that time. Also, I just try to be as genuine and straightforward as possible. I'm not sugarcoating it for them. I'm always going to let them know exactly how I feel. Um, and I, I think they appreciate that and, and they buy in faster. And Absolutely. so that, that was kind of my, my thing coming in was tell them what I was going to do, um, do it and, and always be honest with them and, and check in and, and not, not coddle them, but be there when, when things were rough and when they weren't figuring things out and, and, and letting them know that I believed in them. Um, so that, that to me was, what, what got us, got our culture going quickly. Um, and it just, the type of student that Beloit draws also certainly helped. Uh, I, I don't think, I don't think it would have been quite as easy of a transition if we didn't already have really, really good people there. Um, mm -hmm. so that, that was a match for me too. And I think that was part of the, the search process for me as, as I was looking at schools was to find a school where my values matched up. And, and I definitely found that in Beloit. You, um, we, we always kind of typically play like various games and whatnot. I feel like with, you, you know, kind of, I, I, my whole like objective for this year was to 
had this game where like every interview that we did was like Nick talking, having to talk to somebody a week before they play them. Um, <laughs> I just thought that that would be absolutely massive uh, and thought it would be insanely fun just because I want to see like on, on the show, we always hear, you know, happy go fun, Nick. And we never get like Nick who's intense and into the game. And like, you know, the old Nick of, I just want to win all the soccer games. And I just always thought like <laughs> maybe there would be one episode where if we had somebody on that they he was getting ready to play, like it would pop off and we'd be like, ooh, all right, here's the good stuff. Um, but just kind of like, you know, going back into the whole like, you know, being, uh, you know, friendly with, with the coaches that, that you, you coach against, what are those games like for you to where, you know, yes, you're trying to go in to, to win the game, but yet, you know, before the game you go up, you have a chat, you know, maybe crack a few jokes during the game and then, you know, talk for it afterwards. What's that mean to you as a coach to be able to have that camaraderie uh, with the coaches in your conference? I think, I think it, it means a lot. It's a lot more fun, right? So this year, Nick's team beat the, beat the crap out of us. Uh, and it was, Revenge still, game, Nick? it was definitely, they did, they, they found the back of the net <laughs> early and often. He, he uh, had, he had that one circled and highlighted this and year. In any other game, if it's as someone I don't know, or someone I don't really have a relationship with, uh, that game's pretty tough to swallow. But even as we're getting our butts kicked, I'm kind of in the back of my mind, smiling of like, they're pretty good. This is the <laughs> Nick's got things rolling here. Um, so it's, it's fun. I, we played Lake Forest uh, last night as well with TR, and and it was fun seeing you know him get frustrated at times and him getting excited because they were getting what they wanted in the midfield. Um, and so it, no matter what, I'm I'm enjoying the game because either we're winning, which is great and and would prefer, or we're not, and that means one of my buddies is doing well. Um, and and so that's that just makes it more enjoyable and it makes makes the season less stressful. Like for us, we have not had a good season at all. Uh, but being able to be part of that and, and see friends be successful and, and really kind of pick their brains of what they did to kind of take that step has been super helpful for me. Uh, Nick is an open book. And so we've, we've had a couple of chats of what he, the way he sees it, TR, the same thing. Um, I'll, I'll pick uh, Joe's brain on the weekend. Uh, just Why, of what Why he's would seeing. you pick Joe's brain? You, you never know. You, you might get a crazy idea or two from him, uh, but just getting uh, getting that and just it's just more enjoyable all around because there's there's literally no losing no matter what happens. What are you guys as players like when they see you guys are all like an episode of Friends when like before or after the game? All right, I'm actually curious like about it. this question, Connor, because <laughs> my players think that like. Like they're like, well, you just you just talk to everyone. You just like everyone. And I was like, yeah, except for you guys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think initially my my players did not like that. They thought it was weird that, like, they they had this concept that college athletics are uh, zero sum games and uh, only one team can come away winning, and that's that's it. And you're not friends with anyone else. And um, and I, I think it's been good for them to see that as well because they, they can go and enjoy the game and still compete and at the end of the day still be be good with them, um, good with the other team and be friends with them and, and, and anything like that. Um, so I think it's been great for them. I, they've gotten more and more used to it. Um, but we're also not, you know, during the game, we're not buddy-buddy. We're, we're competing. And we're oh, no, Nick, and is to, Nick is totally buddy-buddy. He's like, <laughs> when something happens, he'll turn over and smile at you, and then you smile yeah. back at him. Yeah, I've... I've 
I'm not walking across the sideline to ask for a stick of gum from him. <laughs> it's all business, and then when it's over, we're we're back together. But um, I mean, that's that's what you expect as a player too. You can put on a game face for a game, and then when you're done, it's it's different. Um, Would that so, break your mojo if somebody like in the middle of the game from the other team walked over and was like, "Hey, can I get a piece of gum or some like candy?" Well, like, well, it's funny here because so we play a lot of pickup sports here with the coaching staff, and. I, I get called Andrew Luck all the time because, like, I, I'll compliment the people we're playing against mid-game. And one of the coaches, it drives him absolutely insane because he thinks it's, like, my way of, like, trying to get inside of his head. And to me, it's <laughs> like when he hits a good shot, I'm just going to say he hit a good shot. Like, oh, man, you got that one. That's good. And, and so it bugs the crap out of him. It drives him insane. <laughs> Can you, you okay? So I think last year I said like I wanted to have Joe Sager mic'd up for a game. Now we need to have Nick uh, mic'd up in his pickup basketball games. Good shot. Hey, five. Good shot. Good oh, pass, I, man. Like like Great honestly, rain, man. It, it pisses a few of the coaches off because they they call me Andrew Luck when we play pickup basketball because like if if someone hits a shot in my face, I'm gonna tell them that it was a good shot. <laughs> and like they like they think it's like a form of me talking crap, and it's like no, no, like I actually just thought that was genuinely a good shot. So, are you wanting to borrow one of my Andrew Luck shirts to wear next time you play a pickup basketball game? I think of all professional athletes, he's the person I relate to the most. Interesting. Like, I, I, of, of all the like, because again, you you hear interviews and you see like, because he's very like kind of old fashioned. I'm definitely a little bit old fashioned, and just like the way he communicates on the field. I, I can relate to very well. So do you have a flip phone? No, I would if it like, if I didn't have to recruit, like it, literally my job would be so, my life would be so much simpler if I didn't need my phone to recruit and do stuff all the time. Well, like, I mean, totally T9. Do you remember the T9 on the flip phones texting? Uh -huh. you imagine recruiting with that. That would be brutal. Oh man. Like if, if I like literally, I would not text people if I didn't have to, if I didn't have to recruit, <laughs> like I, like I would just call everyone if I did not have to like recruit. But the problem is judging, like, judging by your activity in our group text, I don't know if I believe that it would, I, well, like that's the other thing. Like if, if that stuff wasn't essential to talk to people, I would go completely old school. <laughs> like Nick my does friend, not want any interaction with human beings. Oh, ask my high school friends. I just wouldn't text them if they, if they, if they, <laughs> like, like if they would ever shoot me a text back in the day, I would just call them. <laughs> okay, Barney Five. Dude, I just didn't. I didn't like. I didn't like shooting. I didn't like the. I like. I like talking to people on the phone. That's why I, I tell our players all the time. I go, if you ever want to have an actual conversation with someone, you need to talk to them because everything gets lost in the written word because. I like I find out every day I use too much punctuation and our it freaks out our girls and it's like guys I'm literally just ending a sentence with a period. <laughs> well, you got a bunch of English majors on your team or something? No, I mean no, they freak out because I use too much punctuation. Like oh. I sentences and periods and it and it freaks them out. That's very very interesting. So so Connor, I think next year when you guys play, you just or if you happen to like play in the tournament or something, um, I think you need to mid game or in the middle of the first half just walk over back. Hey man, let me get stick of that gum. Yes, it's it's happening. Be ready, Nick. <laughs> I think you know what I think that would throw Nick off of his game because he's like in the zone, he's getting things going, and you're like, hey, can I get a piece of gum? Or would I'm you? I'm a pacer. Like I pace a lot. 
would you, Nick, would you uh, push that um, uh, sequence over to Reese that she would be be the one who has to go get the stick of gum and give it to Connor? To be honest, me and Reese don't like stand next to each other that during games. Like I need like my own space. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, to be honest, me and Reese don't like each other. (laughs) We just both our both of our teams are just away because they know they'll get run over by us. I'm the same exact way. I have train tracks just going up and down the field. (laughs) I think I think they made the coach's box bigger at Beloit just for me, so that I can walk (laughs) all the way down and all the way back. And I'm horrible about that too. Are you sure you didn't request for a bigger coach's box? I, I may have. I'm not sure. <laughs> and a smaller one for Nick. That's what's going to mess with him when he comes to Dude, us like oh a my God. If you, if you like, five if by you, five square and then just a big one for me. That's going to be that great. Would, that would be the one thing. That could do it. That so that brings, up a, that brings up an interesting point. And, you know, Connor, with your, your club experience, what do you think about coaches' boxes um, when you go to like a showcase or something and they've got like a coach's box down from like a previous game or something? And you're there like for a showcase or a tournament for your club team. Do you feel the need that you have to stay in that box just because the line's there? No. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Me I'm neither. I just... place. Until I get yelled at about three times, it's it's fair game to go anywhere. <laughs> I always feel like whenever like I'm trying to think of where I was last year and my players are like, coach, you're outside the box. And I was like, who said we had to stay inside it? And I'm like, well, there's a box down on the ground. I'm like, that doesn't mean anything. It's like, I mean, you like the referee obviously hasn't said anything. So if they don't like it or they don't mind it, like I'm going to do it. I don't like I've never met a coach's box that I never like went outside of. Yeah, you got to you got to coach outside the box there. That's I feel that's like, I feel like Nick's coaching box at uh, Monmouth has like a treadmill on it so he can like <laughs> run while he's like pacing back and forth. He can still like get miles in and stuff. I mean, honestly, like I go so far down the sideline. Like it's I, I honestly I think today I got probably within like 10 yards of our like end line on the side. <laughs> that we I definitely do not follow the coach's boxing. But the nice thing is, again, at the end of the day, like I, I think referees like I, I still have never gotten a card as a coach and I, I think that that's mainly because like I use more of these sarcastic comments as opposed to like ber- berating comments when I talk to referees. Who's who's the referee in your next game? I'm gonna get a hold of them. Good I mean, luck. I mean, like, you honestly, give this like, guy a card. <laughs> they, I probably I I for sure earned one. Um, the closest I got the I, I got close to getting one at Simpson last Wednesday, and that was like the closest I'd ever got to getting a card. Like the referee actually like, came and talked to me. And I still told him he was wrong at the end, like at the end of the conversation, <laughs> and he still didn't card me. And, but I think the was, problem is that you say that stuff. Like I think you're wrong, but you probably say it with that big smile on your face, like you do every time you talk. And they probably, like, I just can't give this guy a card. He's too nice. I forget the exact sequence of the play, but like, oh no, here's what it was. So their coach and I love Jeremy at Simpson. He's doing an awesome job. There was one play at the end of the first half where. There was it was clearly not a corner kick, and he like was screaming loudly that it deflected off our player, which it didn't. And I like and they gave him a corner kick. And so in the second half, like the exact same thing happened, but I didn't yell for it. And Jeremy yelled again, and he got what he got the goal kick. And I'm like, I go, you got that wrong twice in a row because you only listened to their coach. And the referee's like, what'd you say to me? I go, you, you got that wrong twice in a row because you didn't, you only listened to their coach. And he like ran over to me. He's like, you need to sit down. And I go, okay, but you still got that wrong. And 
Like, I'll go have a seat, but I just want you to know, like, you got that one wrong. That was the closest <laughs> I think I've gotten to a card at, uh, as a head, co- head coach so far. Were you, were, I mean, were you smiling while you were telling them? This? Oh, absolutely. I was smiling. We, okay. We were down one at the time, but like, God, that ref was, he was, they, I, like, and you all have games like this where like, for whatever reason, like the out of bounds calls are just like terribly off. Like they miss every time that it goes like to one team. That was that game for us. Like I felt like every throw in that we should have had went to the other team. So, you know, I, I was thinking about this today because I'm actually my, uh, my little boys team. Um, they all like get mad at me because when we're doing um, an activity uh, with an out of bounds, you know, line and stuff like that, I like purposefully call the wrong team to have the ball. And I, and I do it consistently. And I'm also a horrendous referee. Um, but like I, I blatantly will make the wrong calls. And most of the time I do it just to see their reaction. And but it allows me to do a teaching point to where when they do get mad about it, I can say, hey, would you actually say that to the referee? Well, no, I wouldn't. Then don't say it to me. Um, so I find myself like I try I like I think because I've done that so much and I've done it for years with my teams to where like when a referee makes a bad call, like it doesn't like it doesn't or bad like out of bounds call. It doesn't even phase me. Yeah. No, yeah, but that was that was definitely that was the closest I've gotten to a golf. But yeah, no, I I should probably do that to myself. I should have one of the players do that to me, so I don't get phased by the bad calls. <laughs> just start doing that to where I'm telling you, like, just do it enough, like in the games that you play, and eventually gets to a point where you're just like, uh, like, I because I I tell my players all the time, like, referees are going to make bad calls. Like, it's 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 just what's going to happen, and there's nothing you can do to change it. I think, like Nick has said. You know, and and I've I've echoed it as well. It's like you know, we I've never seen a referee change a call because you didn't like it. Oh, you know, never said like, oh, you know what, you're right. Yeah, let's change the call. No, like they made their decision, they're going with it. So I think if you can just, uh, you know, get that muscle memory in your mind of like, yeah, they're you know, bad call's gonna happen. All right, sure, whatever. But now I think your goal is you need to get a yellow. I I still have never got one. <laughs> Well, I mean, even as a player, I mean, you just had an easy job. You just had to pass the ball to Colombians. You didn't really need to oh, get mad I, I got at as a player. Like, oh, you got yells as a player. Okay, so now the truth comes out. Yeah, no. Like, not a lot, but like, or, or, like I don't know, like, probably like one to two a year. Like, but you should get it a year. I, Connor, <laughs> that's a question I have for you. Like, do you ever, like, how many yellows do your players have in the year? Two. Yeah, see, we have three. And honestly, like. Yeah. It's it's hard to like try to describe to them where it's like no it's okay to like get yellow cards it's just like the yeah. referee's way of controlling the game like yep. if you're getting red cards that you're not in a good spot but like if you're getting yellows you're probably just playing the game okay yeah. I know a uh, uh, or go ahead Connor we we actually one year just because we were curious at at NIU looked at the rankings for like three years of teams and where they ended up with and how many yellow cards they had. And consistently, the most yellow-carded teams were near the top of the conference. Yeah. Um, so it, it, you're playing at the edge of your game. Now, red cards are a different animal, but I think getting yellows is – I wish we didn't have the accumulation um, at times, but I think there's there's part of the game that you've got to be right at the edge and, and be willing to, be, get, to, to get a yellow and get stuck in the tackles and go up hard for everything in the air. Um, that just shows that you're aggressive and, and competitive. And yeah. here's the flip side of that is there's a local high school um, that I know of that because in our state they have this like sportsmanship thing. And I think I know I've talked about this program or pro- talked about this on the show before 
but you know, yellow cards gets schools negative points in this like overall athletic sportsmanship program. So I know of a local school that um, I think the team had gotten like three yellow cards in the first like four or five games, like almost like an average, like a pretty yeah. like a decent thing. And they were told if the kids from now on for the rest of the season got a yellow, they had to sit out the rest of the game. And I was like, you can't do that. And plus you like you've already like all the players like always talked about it. And I'm like, well, they're not going to play their hardest anymore because they're worried like, oh, if I get a yellow, I'm done for the game. Yep. And I think as a ref, if you know that, too, you're changing how you give out yellows. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. It's, it's just all around a different different take on it. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Nick. I, when I the fact that we have two yellow cards, is, it's probably too low. Honestly, it means we need to be a bit more aggressive. Yeah. I always tell people you can go on when you go on and look at the uh, professional referees website and like see their stats that they have up there. Like these MLS referees are giving out, you know, three to five a game sometimes. And it's like, you know, I, I, I always tell like high school coaches like, you know, yellow cards are supposed to be education tools. And if the MLS players are getting three to five a game, why is at least the state that I live in telling us that like these kids need to be better defenders than professional players. Like if, if MLS players are getting three to five a game, then I mean, high school and college should be getting what five to 10. Yeah. Well, and granted they lost, but like this weekend, man city got five in their game. Like, yeah. Yeah. Big results. That's... Big result. Happy. Big res that big was, result. That, some happy guys here. <laughs> <laughs> big result for that one. Uh, you know, so Connor, here we're all about networking and I mean, half of our soccer chat network is all in the Midwest conference anyways. Um, <laughs> or they are associated with Nick, which means that they are associated with us, but you know, somebody's listening to this and, and they, uh, maybe they have some tips for you on, uh, uh, on how to beat Nick, uh, mentally and, and, and get in his head and get a piece of gum at the same time during a game. Or, uh, they just want to kind of chat about, uh, you know, how you got things going with your program. Uh, how could they do so? Uh, best bet, honestly, I'm not as much of a social media guy. I, I will jump on there and actually Nick just liked one of my tweets. So I, I did something right. Uh, that's well, because he's a habitual liker. Tweet. I he's think he's more likes liker. on that one. That's, that's when I feel special is when, when you guys like my tweets, but, uh, <laughs> Twitter it's at Connor D McKee. Um, or you can email me, uh, McKee C at Beloit.edu. That's probably your best bet. I'm not going to throw my cell phone on a podcast, but, uh, I'll get you my cell phone if you email me. Um, and, and, and like Nick, I, I just like chatting with you. So I would be more than happy to chat with anyone that needs anything. I don't know how helpful I'd be, but, uh, at least I I'd give my perspective on things. Does the and definitely for, give me does Daniel, the D stand for danger? Well, you danger. just heard, I was going to say danger uh, or dominant. Both. I, I used to go with danger. <laughs> I used to okay. go with danger, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's the old middle name. Um, but yeah, um, that's how you can get a hold of me. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Connor, thank you so much uh, for joining us, especially, you know, in this busy time conference play going on tournaments, getting ready to start and all that good stuff. Uh, you know, thanks for just spending a couple, uh, a couple minutes with us in between your, your recruiting calls. And uh, sorry about your game against Monmouth this year. Uh, there's always next year. There uh, is. As uh, we need, we need you on, back on, on team Beloit for next year. Well, as, as famously documented on the show, I'm still awaiting some Beloit gear. It's uh, coming. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> I think once that well, I think that once that becomes official, I will solidify myself for that one game to be a uh, Beloit fan. So, 
deal. <laughs> oh, Connor, thank you so much for coming on, man. We wish you and your team the best of luck going the rest of this fall. All right. Thank you, guys. The cool thing about the interview that we just had with Connor is that I've known Connor for a while now, and there are very few people that you can put in this category of just genuinely good coaches that no matter what, you know, they're always doing the right thing. The thing I love about Connor and just all the conversations I've had with him is, you know, for a fact that he's doing things the right way. He takes care of his players he like doesn't push boundaries with the rules. He's just, he's that coach that is doing everything he can to just better his program in the most sincere way possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, I, I find myself, um, all of these, um, people that, that I've met over the last few years who all like you coach against, or you're good friends with me, you've known them for a while before. Uh, and just like, how like genuine they all are. And I think that it's kind of, it's like, everybody's like a cool reflection of you. Um, you know, Connor, kind of like how you guys mentioned, uh, with the recruit that you both were going after, how about they said, you know, great things about both of you. And, you know, you know, you would say good things about him. He'd say good things about you. And Connor's the same way. Like everybody, if we were to just to throw out a bunch of names of coaches, we know it would be nothing but good stuff from, from him. And I think that that's something that, um, speaks volumes, like I said, about your guys' conference and the things that you guys do and like how tight-knit everybody is. Oh, yeah. And, and again, I think that it, it is cutthroat as certain businesses are. If I'm going to lose to someone or I'm going to beat someone, I don't want the, the reason to be because I'm a, a jerk about it. You know, like yeah. if I'm doing it, I want it to be because like, hey, like, I have good players and I put them in the right spots to be successful. Not because like I played mind games with you the entire time. I'm not going to shake your hand before the game. You know, like at the end of the day, if I beat you, it's because hopefully I just did my job really, really well. And if you beat me, it's hopefully because you did your job really, really well. And that's the one thing I love. It's really something I've taken from, I, I feel like the best coaches professionally is if you look right now at the best coaches in the world, most of them are people that other coaches actually sincerely like. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just actually, I, as you were making a fantastic point, I kind of went brain dead because I realized that it is October uh, 10th that this is coming out. And it is finally, after many, many months of being talked about, it is the return of the red hoodie. Oh, yeah. It's actually a new red hoodie. Ooh, it's a brand new one. I, I got it this year. I like it because like I'm I'm kind of uh, I'm a baller at heart and it's a little bit baggier than my other one. And that's what I, I like about it is it, I get to like I like clothes that are really like more baggy and loose. And so this new one that I got is 
I got a large and I'm not really a large type person. Um, and so it's a, I, I'm, I'm sincerely enjoying it right now. <laughs> so we can all, so how many red hoodies do you own now? Dose, but I don't really wear the other one anymore. It's a little bit too like form fitting. And I like the ones that are a little bit more loose. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, the, the red hoodie has returned. Uh, so that can only mean bad things for the, po- the opponents, uh, of the fight and Scott's. Soccer chat, it's a, uh, it's a uh, weekly Twitter chat, not just a podcast. Check it out every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm super distracted right now. I've never seen the movie Horrible Bosses. Um, oh, it's hilarious. It's, it's currently playing on, uh, on TV right now, and all I see is Jennifer Aniston. And, yeah, oh, so, she is like a really interesting role in that movie. That's what I've I've like I've never like I said I've never seen the movie but I know like the plot and I know like the characters and I've always like that's one thing I always remember seeing is that like her character is crazy uh, in this so uh, I may have to I may have to catch this I don't know it's super late I don't want to do this anymore um <laughs> I, not I don't want to do this. I don't want to like stay up and watch anymore um but uh, you know join the conversation with us every single Wednesday night I'm not gonna get distracted by Jennifer Aniston anymore uh every single Wednesday night 9 30 p.m Eastern time just follow the hashtag soccer chat on Twitter join the conversation we've got lots of people get on there lots of fun uh good conversation back and forth uh and, and just fantastic questions uh you know you can submit the questions every week something that's on your mind something you want to know about just send it our way using the hashtag and we'll make sure to get that question question out there for you this is a listener supported podcast like we said earlier supported by people just like you who's listening to this very episode right now because of all of our generous friends you can go back and listen to every single episode in the archives for absolutely free friends like Dutik brand check them out dutikbrand.com use the promo code soccer chat when you're checking out at dutikbrand.com also our friends over at torx t-o-r-r-x.com it's the world's greatest ball pump nuff said don't got to say anything more than that t-o-r-r-x.com shout out to our friends over at soccer iq check them out on twitter soccer iq1 ellis riley and the homes they all over there putting together the best tactical quizlets uh diagrams things that you can use for your team uh to to quiz them to to train them tactically on various things and also use for your own development check them out make sure to give them a shout let them know what we sent you it is at soccer iq he's nick i'm sean and the best part is as we said earlier we're going to do this again next week nick we'll catch you later see you later brother